Well, we are going to kick off a little summer series together titled Guardrails. And a lot of times uh, in the summers, we take a look at a longer series. And this summer, we decided we're going to break it up a little bit and do three different series. So I want to briefly look at three series that we're going to do through the summer. And again, please keep that handout. The entire summer schedule is on there. We're going to have that handout like that for the next two, maybe three weeks, so you know exactly what's happening at Radiant Life. But before I tell you about our quick summer teaching series, I want you to know July 22nd is our summer bash. It'll be out at Cade Lake, out at the county park there. We're going to do baptisms in the lake. We're going to do worship music. They got a new, brand new Frisbee golf course out there that we'll participate in. We're going to grill hamburgers. It's going to be an awesome, fun time for the church. So it's on you. You've got it. It's on your handout, so if you say, I don't know about it, guess whose fault that is? Your own. your own. There you go. So turn to your neighbor and say, it's your fault. There we go. But we're full of grace still, okay? All right? So mark that on your calendar. If you're interested in baptism, you can start circling B on your connection card there at the bottom. If you're interested, we're going to do lake baptism. But for the month of July, nope, I lied, June, we're in our series titled Guardrails. And then in July and then the beginning of August, we're going to be in a series together titled Summer Mixtape. You're going to hear all sorts of different messages from our staff and what God's laid on our heart. There are messages that just don't tie into series that I'm anxious to talk about and share with you, and so is our team. So you're going to hear from everyone on the team, and even JB, our worship leader that's not here this morning, he's on vacation, and uh, Dave Taylor filling in. Thank you for that, an awesome job, team. He's going to be speaking in one of these. We've never heard from him on a message. What do you think he's going to talk about? Worship, right? So his, his heart's going to come from the worship end about worship and why he does what he does. It's going to be just, I'm so excited for this. And then we'll wrap up the summer together before kids go back to school and we launch our fall with this, a three-weeker, God never said that. All right? There are things that we think God said, they ain't in the Bible anywhere. So we're going to look at three particular things we often hear believers say all the time. Well, God said that. No, he didn't. All right? So we're going to look at, in the end of August, this will be a three-weeker, God never said that. But we get to kick off this morning our June series together titled Guardrails. Here's how guardrail is defined. It's a system design to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. Dangerous or off-limit areas. There's three locations we tend to see guardrails. Bridges, medians, and curves. And I'm glad they're there, aren't you? All right? Guardrails are designed to direct and protect. To direct and protect. And the placement of guardrails is really interesting. The placement of guardrails, they're normally placed in the safety zone, not already in the danger zone. Give a couple feet or inches or whatever, but they're placed in a safety zone. And none of us argue, you know what, I need that extra eight inches on the road. I need that extra eight inches on this bridge. I just need that. None of us argue that. We're just saying, hey, we're great. We're glad that they're there in the safety zone and not already in the danger zone. Two, or those are where they place them. Guardrails are also designed to minimize damage. Designed to minimize 
damage. When you hit a guardrail, there's damage done. But not as great of damage if that guardrail was not there. You would be on the cliff of disaster if that guardrail was not there. Now, Ryan, okay, okay, yeah, guardrails, okay, that's all a bunch of highway talk and stuff. Why are we talking about guardrails? Because highways aren't the only places we need guardrails in our lives. I think some of the biggest regrets that we carry with us could have been avoided if we put guardrails in our own lives. That's away from the cliff of disaster. That some of us would have avoided financial disaster if we set up a guardrail. A marriage disaster, relationship disaster, moral disaster if we would have just taken time and set up guardrails in our lives. And future regrets can be avoided if we decide to take on guardrails and say, you know what, that should be a guardrail in my life. It's got to be in the safety zone, not all the way in the zone where it's too late. And there's no reason for that guardrail. Now, if you're going to adopt personal guardrails in our lives, there's going to be resistance against you. Because culture doesn't encourage guardrails. Culture does not encourage it. In fact, Culture is content with painted lines. You know what? If you just struggle with alcohol, just, just, just drink responsibly. Hopefully that's okay. And you know what? We know about intimacy and just really deep. And yeah, you've got those butterflies. And you know, you really should see if you're compatible. And just go ahead and just wait till both of you are ready. Then you can go. And you know what? You should consolidate all your debt. And there's, there's times to do that, but times not. But culture says, you know what, you should do that. But if you're going to set up personal guardrails in your own life, knowing that this will not make you the most popular person in the office, it may not make you the most popular person in your own family, but if you do, you will have fewer regrets in your life. Now, Harvard Business Review, it's a journal, it's a non-Christian organization, Harvard Business Review did this journal, and they were wondering what is appropriate with men and women in the workplace. Many of you may have heard back in the late uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, there's a, a rule out there called the Billy Graham rule. Billy Graham, the evangelist, would just never get into a car alone with another woman. That was his thing. Now, let me say this, I think sometimes that can be mischaracterized and, and taken out of context, but... Hang in there. So we've heard of this Billy Graham rule, and all of a sudden, the business Har or Harvard Business Review jumps in and says, what is appropriate in the workplace for men and women who work together in cl close quarters? Should there be any guardrails? Should there be any boundaries that exist? And here, out of their research, this is what Harvard Business Review came up with concerning boundaries or guardrails in the workplace with men. So what's an evolved male leader to do? In the simplest terms, become what we all, or become what we call a thoughtful caveman. Now, before we go on to the next sentence, why don't they ever say thoughtful cavewoman? Every time it's always caveman. I get, there's women, right? We always call them cavemen, though. And then this is what he says after the, the Harvard Business Review says this. Healthy, mature, self-aware men understand and accept their distinctly male, newer architecture. 
I have no idea what that means. No idea. I understood your first sentence. I have no idea what this means. But I want to ask ladies, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever seen a healthy, mature, self-aware man before? If you have, capture him. Study him. He's like a unicorn, very unusual. Just grab a hold of him. These guys don't need guardrails. But the 99.9999999999% of other men do. We need guardrails. And so this series, we're going to dive in, and this is, as we launch, this is going to set the foundation for the next three weeks. For the next three weeks, we're going to look at three different areas that we often see as human beings we stumble with. And I want to give you a disclaimer now. Next week, the message will be PG-13. It's not going to get too disgusting. I, I need to give that out as a disclaimer. If you bring your kids in here, you may want to bring your kids to our Radiant Kids Ministry, okay? Fifth graders are technically in here. You have that option, parents, to bring your fifth grader back there, and they'll be ready for you. Does that sound fair? We want to protect families because I'm not going to talk about the birds and bees, but I'm going to use language that maybe you're like, I really don't want my kid to hear this all the time, and now I have to go home at lunch, and they're asking, Daddy, what's that three-letter word? And now you're like, oh, man, got to have that discussion, okay? That's fair, right? You will not want to miss next week. There is a powerful testimony that's going to come next week. I really hope that you're there. But if the church doesn't talk about it, where else are we going to get truth and love? We've got to have guardrails. So next week, yeah, we'll talk about that intimacy and relationships with guardrails. So be here next week. Don't be afraid of next week. So let's jump in. If you've got your Bible or your tablet or your phone, go ahead, go to the Newer Testament, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. And in Ephesians, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, who write about the life of Jesus. Then it goes Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. So maybe eight books into the Newer Testament. A guy by the name of Paul who hated Jesus, fell in love with Jesus, wrote two-thirds of our Newer Testament. This is a dude who hated Jesus, who persecuted and executed followers of Jesus. And he became the missionary. And he went on three different missionary trips all throughout Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey, and started churches all over. And on his first trip, he's telling God, God, I want to go to this city called Ephesus. I want to be there. And for whatever reason, God said, nope, not yet. Not, not, now's not the time. And so he goes on a second missionary journey, planting churches, and finally he gets to go there. And it's a city about 400,000 people. It's a port city. There are pagan temples everywhere. And he starts a Jesus movement and plants a church in Ephesus. And now he's there and he starts this movement. He leaves. He's able to come back. And now he writes the letter. That's why it's called Ephesians. He writes the letter to them. And in the first couple chapters, he's telling them, hey, here's behaviors and here's things to live by and do. This is right. Now you once were pagans. You were over here. 
living a reckless lifestyle. Now you're following Jesus. Here are some behaviors just to, that you ought to live out. And then he goes in the last three chapters and he's, he's, he explains exactly how to live this stuff out now. Because what we don't know and we're not privy to unless you study is that in Ephesus, the pagan goddess there, the number one major pagan goddess, you know the way you worshiped her? is through sexual acts. And these are people coming out of that. And now Paul's saying, hey, what you weren't doing, you can't do that. This is not the God that we serve. There's behaviors to take on now that you're a follower of Jesus. And then he picks up in chapter 5, verse 15, Paul says this to the church in Ephesus. Be very what, friends? Be very careful then how you live. This word live is the idea of to walk. So Paul says, hey, Ephesus, followers of Jesus, be careful how you live. And if you are a large dog owner and you live in a very small house with a very small backyard, you understand this. You understand as you go out into your small yard with this huge dog, you're very careful how you walk. And that's what Paul's getting at. You got to be careful how you live your life. Be careful how you walk out your faith. And he says, not as unwise, but as what? Wise. If you were with us two and a, about two and a half years ago, we launched a series and we talked about and looked at this verse and we asked the question, in light of our past experiences, in light of what's happening now in our future, ask the question when a decision's to be made, what's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? And Paul says, hey, don't be, a wise, don't be unwise. Be wise as making the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. This is in referring to redeeming of time. You ever sit back and sit there and go, I wish I could have freshman year over again. I wish I would have taken college a little more seriously and maybe graduate like I hoped to. Or I wish I never got into that relationship. I wish I could just go back and tell my younger self, don't do that, avoid it. And this is what Paul's talking to with opportunity. Be careful how you walk out your faith. Be wise in your path of following Jesus and make the most of every single minute God gives you. And then he says, because, because the days are evil. There's wickedness, there's evil happening, and he's writing to the church of Ephesus and saying, you guys can get caught up in that stuff, and you got to live as wise people who are following Jesus. Verse 17, therefore, therefore, as you do all this stuff, therefore, do not be what, friends? Don't be foolish. The opposite of wise is foolishness. He says, don't be a fool. Pity the fool. Don't do that. Don't. 
That was bad. <laughs> Don't be foolish. But understand. But embrace. But to live out what the Lord's will is. Don't be unwise, don't be foolish, but you know what in your life, walk carefully the faith that you have, be wise in the decisions, make the most of every time God has given to you, and do the will of God. This should be period, the end, right? That, those just three verses are preachable. We should be good and convicted already and say, all right, let's just worship and let's leave. But Paul says, I'm not done, I need to give everyone an example, and he says this, don't get drunk on wine. Some of us wish that was our guardrail. I just need to put up a guardrail in my life that says don't get drunk. Because some of us, we start drinking, we hit the cliff every time. And you remember some regrets you've had because of this. And Paul's saying, you got to be wise in what you do. Don't get drunk. That's the sin. And Paul says, you know what? It's going to lead to stuff. And the word he uses that what drunkenness will lead to is debauchery. It's wild, reckless, sinful living. Paul throws out that warning. Just don't. Do it as one example. Interesting how he uses alcohol as his one example. So interesting. And can I just take a moment to say this? And I say this and I hope you hear my heart and the truth and just love in it. If more than one person tells you you have a drinking problem, you do. Because what happens? No, I don't. I, I, I can handle it. No, you can't. But instead of doing this, instead, there's other things for you. Instead, be filled with the what, friends? Be filled with the Spirit. In other words, stop doing foolish things. Stop doing all this stuff. you got to be wise in the decisions that you make. Teens, I want to speak to you for a minute. Don't sacrifice pleasure for instant gratification. It's not worth it. Don't sacrifice relationship with Jesus because you think your boyfriend or girlfriend will fulfill you. Good luck. There'll be more regrets in your life than you've ever imagined. Now how can I speak that to you? I was once a teenager. Long time ago. That's why I like you, Lou. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. And Paul says, instead of all that stuff, instead of that evil, wickedness stuff, just do one thing. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled in your life with the Holy Spirit so you know, you know what? You're right. I struggle with alcohol. I need that guardrail. My guardrail may be I can't get drunk because drunkenness is the sin. I need that guardrail in my life. And I need spirit. When I get close to that thing, you need to let me hit it and come back I, because I don't want to go off the edge. 
I don't want to go off the edge. I know what happens when I go off the edge, and it's not living like Jesus when I go off that edge. I need a guardrail. And you know what? If it's for all of us, this is what guardrails do. Guardrails safeguard us from handing over control of our lives to someone or something else. You see, we want guardrails for our spouse, do we not, for those that are married? You hope deep down inside that your spouse has guardrails, that tomorrow morning when they go to work, tomorrow morning when they go to the grocery store, when they go shopping, when they are cleaning, doing whatever, you're hoping as you're away that there's guardrails in their life that's going to keep them safe and protected. You hope that for your spouse. You hope this with your kids that your teenage daughter is not trying to find her identity and being intimate with a boyfriend that will betray her, but she will find her identity in Jesus Christ. You hope and pray that that guardrail is there around her heart. You hope and pray for your teenage son who's growing up and hormones are raging that there's guardrails on the computer that he doesn't click on websites and sees things that will be ingrained in his mind forever and think that is intimacy. You hope and pray there's guardrails there. Why not for us? Because I don't like rules, and it feels like it's rules and boundaries. This is the only way you and I will ever truly live out who the Father is if we put boundaries. And the boundaries aren't rules. The boundaries is for you and I to experience the life Jesus Christ came and died for. Because Jesus knows if you don't have this here, the cliff is there, and you're going to carry shame and regret with, your, in, with you in your life. So God says, listen, through Paul, just be wise. Be wise. Because none of us want to be controlled by our work and becoming alcoholics. None of us want to be controlled by alcohol or drugs. None of us want to be controlled in situations that we know, you know what, I am flirting with disaster right now, and I know I'm enjoying this flirting at work, but it's there, and I, I can't do it. That's not fair to my spouse. Because we know none of us want to get controlled by things. And I want to go back to Paul's words. So powerful for us. I think we all like the idea of guardrails, perhaps. But the difference is going to be, are you submitting and being filled with the Holy Spirit? That's the question. Let me remind you of Paul's words in Ephesians again. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. And the one thing I would love is that if we understand that no one goes into life thinking, I can't wait to ruin my life. No one says that. But we don't put up guardrails to make sure we don't ruin our lives. Because when we set up guardrails, it's like this. Stepping away from what can harm you is a step towards the one 
who loves you. This whole series is about being better surrendered people to Jesus. That our lives can speak well of the Heavenly Father. And can I just speak briefly as I wrap up to followers of Jesus? And if you've never put your faith and trust into Jesus, we are so good. Keep coming. Keep coming every week. I pray one day you will. I really do. But keep coming. And you're off the hook on this. I need to speak to followers of Jesus real quick. Don't put your guardrail on someone else's life. The placement of it. We're so good at comparing ourselves, which we talked about two weeks ago, to other believers because for some of you, you need your guardrail way back here. And I'm just going to use Paul's example of alcohol. You need it here because you are un, it's uncontrollable. You need that guardrail right here. But for other people, they're good here. Take any topic, don't, because we all need guardrails placed in different areas. Just because they can handle it further doesn't mean you can. Just because you can't handle it doesn't mean they can't handle it a little more. Don't place your guardrail on other people. You allow the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit doesn't have a face. I didn't know if you knew that, and it's not your face. Sometimes it can be your face. But we like to play Holy Spirit in people's lives. Pray for them, walk with them, encourage guardrails. But that guardrail may not look like yours. It may not. So my question to you this morning as we close, where do you need to start? Where do you need to start? And where do you need to face up? Say, you know what, God? I've been flirting with danger far too long. I need to set up a guardrail right here in the safety zone, not in the danger zone. So for the next three weeks, we'll look at three different areas where you and I, the person on your right and the person on your left, will need guardrails in our lives. So we don't plan to ruin them. We plan to be safe and say, yes, I'm living like Jesus well. Let me pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, for some of us, we already know exactly what guardrail needs to go up in our life. We know exactly what issue it is, and we know exactly where we need to erect that guardrail with your help. For others of us, we know, and we were taken back to those places where we wish we would have had that guardrail. Because that regret and that shame has carried with us this entire time. And we sit there and say, you know what? I wish I heard that message when I was 19. I wish I heard that message when I was 29. God, we just need to live spirit-filled lives. So for the next seven days or so, as we go about our own business before we come back and hear your word again and what you have to say, God. Would you just reveal areas where we need to be sensitive to your spirit, where we need to put up those guardrails. Give us the courage to put them up. 
Give us the strength. And maybe it's to invite someone in to say, help me put this thing up. I can't do it. I need accountability in my life. Would you be it? Would you give us that strength to do so? Would you encourage us where we need encouragement? Convict us where we need to be convicted. And lift us up where we need to be lifted. Would you help us through these ser- this series, Guardrails? Would you help our mind and help our heart? So that every day when we look in the mirror and lay our head on the pillow, every night, we can imagine you saying, well done, my loved child. Well done. You looked like me today. Well done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Such a challenging message this morning. And I would really encourage you to pray a prayer of like, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? And what am I going to do about it? And if you need help processing what that is, I would love to have a conversation with you. All the staff would be available to have a conversation with you. Uh, I'll be up here right after service here. We need guardrails in our life. We're going to transition here uh, before we sing another song. We're going to have our tithes and offerings. And if you're a guest here this morning, truly we are uh, glad that you are here. Take that little piece of paper at the bottom and, and head to our cafe. Seriously, we got a gift bag for you, free drinks for you and the family. Church family, you know what to do. Just uh, fill that card out. Make sure it's legible. Uh, that way we can uh, constantly update our system. Uh, in there, but I, I want to pray for this offering uh, before uh, we get started. Jesus, help us to, to view these guardrails in a positive light, that you're not trying to restrict us, that you're trying to protect us. And so, Lord, help us to process what these guardrails are in our life. And, and maybe we've had a guardrail that's pretty banged up. So, Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy that's new every day. And, Lord, help us to build a new guardrail in the safety zone. And so, Father, help us to to process that. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you that this group of people make you first in their life. And, Lord, they've surrendered every aspect of their lives over to you. And and financially, we trust you that you provide. You you put a roof over our head and and food in the cupboards. And you've given us clean drinking water. And sometimes we take those things for granted. So, Lord, we make you first. We know that you will provide. And so we worship you now in our tithes and our offerings to you. Father, you are transforming lives because of the messages that are happening here. We can't even keep up with the lives that are being transformed on the chalk walls of people who are surrendering their lives over to you. And it's because of this group of people making you first in their life. And so, Father, thank you that I even get to worship with this group of people. So, Lord, your, your word says that we can ask for wisdom and discernment. And so, Lord, we, we ask for wisdom in this offering. May we advance your kingdom. May it be your will that's done here now. And so, Lord, we ask for you to help us to do that well. 
Lord, we give you all the honor. We give you all of the praise. And all of God's people said,